story. Welcome to Pilot Boys, the podcast where we review the first episode to TV shows. My name is Cesar. And I'm Karen. Today we're doing Random Acts of Flyness. It's an HBO show created by Terrence Nance. And it's supposed to be like a sketch comedy variety centered around blackness and different variations of blackness. So right off the bat, what did you think about it? I know you're not into, like, the weird stuff, and it had a lot of, like, Adult Swim kind of mm. feel, especially the, there was one scene with, she was like a, like a singer, or like a, it was like a game show almost, where she sings about death, mm-hmm. and it was shot in, like, that grainy film from, like, the 60s, Yeah, that was very, like, Eric Andre, Tim yeah. and Eric kind of thing. Yeah, I agree, when I, the first thing that came to mind was like an Eric Andre sketch show mm-hmm. like, I mean it's not my style I don't usually like it but this episode was interesting and funny mm-hmm. poignant see because I feel like Eric Andre's show is kind of in the middle for like blackness because it, he does have a lot of things dealing with blackness but it's very like like blackness isn't the joke but he explores that comedy. Like, he has one episode where they're, like, radical black power doing, like, a demonstration kind of thing. And then, like, he'll do, like... It, it's it's played for comedy. Versus this one, it has comedic elements, but it's not... Blackness isn't the joke. Or being black or enacting a certain type of blackness isn't played for laughs. Where here, it's, like straight up like a political statement mm-hmm. almost but it's mixed in with brevity which they purposely say like the show is edited for brevity almost like this like a sponsor like this show is brought to you with like 80% more brevity or whatever <laughs> so how did you feel about the whole first episode like it wasn't all just that like weird off kilter kind of kitschy editing how did you feel about it completely like about the entire episode i think he had a lot to say for being such a short episode Mm -hmm. i think a lot of thought was put into like all the sketch Mm -hmm. all the sketches even though it's not a show that i would typically watch i think he was entertaining and i probably would watch a second episode do you think that has to do more with the subject matter or the way that it's presented? Because you wouldn't watch Eric Andre's show. Mm-mm. You're not a fan. But with this show, you were intrigued. Yes. Why is that? Like, what why, What differentiates it for you? I think this is a little bit more serious, where the surrealist element is played to contrast the reality that black people deal with. Mm. Whereas the Eric Andre show... Holds nothing sacred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that Eric Andre's show is so absurdist. And this show has a lot of absurdist, like, not magical realism, but kind of some magical realism elements. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I guess we should kind of get into the recap, I guess, of sorts. But there's it's hard to recap something like this. But So it starts off with the creator of the show, Terrence Nance, filming himself riding a bike. And he's talking about... He's kind of introducing the show. Like, yeah. hey guys, this is me on a bike. And I'm going to introduce you to the show I've been working on. And then he gets pulled over by a cop. And then... That's kind of like the main-ish story of the entire show, but it's not really about that. And then that's intercut with him running away from the cops. And eventually, like, some Neo shit where he flies into the air. And that's supposed to be, like, the culmination of this episode kind of thing. But in the midst of that, there's these sketch comedies about... The first one is about him getting into the wrong car and this woman calls the cops on him. So that's two themes surrounded around police brutality or like blackness and the relationships to the cop. Policing individuals. And and then there's a segment about bisexuality in the community. There's like blackface and then whiteness and the way white thoughts are, or the way whiteness takes over culture, like ethnicities. I don't know, it was kind of a dense first episode. Like it had a lot to say and it was artful in the way it presented it i think Mm -hmm. but i guess so what other style like stylistic elements do you see in the first episode the things that you like things that you didn't like stylistic as in the way it was shot or the way it was edited or or even like things it was influenced by or things it was trying to go for like maybe critique other people who Mm. have done sketch comedy shows I think what instantly watching it, it reminded me of this like tweet I saw or mm-hmm. read. And it was like, it's about to be the 20s. Like, Dadaism is back. So is, like, nationalism. And we're all broke. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. it was funny. I summarized it. It's like niche it. memes. Yeah, I summarized like it memes. really badly. Yeah. But dead, like Dadaism is on the rise. Like absurdist humor is on the rise. Specifically yeah. talking about like black bodies and like politics surrounding like race. Yes. And and, and like nationalism in the United States. Yeah. Or not just in the United States, like all over. Yeah. But I mean, absurdism and its relationship to blackness is definitely on the rise. Mm-hmm. Or not on the rise, but it's it's. A thing of the moment with uh, Sorry to Bother You, Atlanta's doing it, mm-hmm. Eric Andre's done it. I wouldn't say Dope did it, but there's like some surrealist elements in there, although that one's a little more like straightforward. Mm-hmm. I think Dear White People has a little bit, but that seems more homage than anything. But yeah, I think that we're in a time right now, as we mentioned with the other show, Cloak and Dagger, where blackness is. It's like the diaspora of black media. It's like there's so much representation at this time. And this one to me felt like a student film, but not not that it was bad like a student film, but like when you're a student, you're so inundated with these ideas and you're like, oh my God, I need to tell everyone like all the shit I know, like everything that I've learned. And like you wear your politics and like your education and your intellect on your sleeve kind of... In some ways, it felt like Sam, like fe- Sam like from Dear White People. She was like telling her, like 
abstract expressionist or like absurdist take on blackness like mm-hmm. as a as a college film and and it was super entertaining to watch it had the the com- the wit and the comedy was sharp but i th- i think that there was or at least to me it, it came off as like they're trying to differentiate themselves from other sketch comedies surrounded around blackness specifically like key and peel dave Chappelle, in living color things like that that have already explored blackness but in kind of a like those shows with the exception of Chappelle's show i think kind of made it presentable to the white audience yeah well at least white and white audience a different world living like a what, what was it living color yeah the cosby show those were all sitcoms well no in living color it was a sketch show yeah yeah or well I'm, i guess i'm thinking of this like the black sitcoms of the 90s yeah. but i don't think this show identifies as a sitcom it's definitely a sketch comedy show. yeah but I guess what I'm getting at is those were, that was black media representation back then, mm-hmm. and things have drastically changed now, Radically. where they're not, things don't end up happily ever after, you know, like, it doesn't end up in, like, a nice, pretty, presentable way for everybody, like, we all, like, sing Kumbaya mm-hmm. and identify our differences, but we can still be friends. Yeah. I also think that one of the things, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I think that those shows, the like the trailblazers of the shows, they were trying to present blackness as a, they were trying to make it into like a state of normalcy, where like, look how, look how just how ev- like we're just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to like, it's kind of like, and I don't know, maybe this is a reach, but it was kind of like a colorblind presentation of blackness. Like we're like the Cosby shows, we're gonna make them middle class and kinda well off and they're not really struggling. Versus like as media starts to gradually progress, it's it's all kinds of things. Like black people are middle class, black people are poor, black people are rich. And I think this show is kinda dealing with it's kinda like dealing with these intellectual differences of like blackness. Particularly I think one of the things obviously that is kind of poignant now is sexuality in black culture or like the black community and i guess we can talk about that a little bit what did you think about that scene so we'll set it up and then what did you think about it so one of the sketches yeah yeah it seemed more like an interview yeah it was like a talk it was like between two ferns because they were like between two ferns (laughs) it wasn't humorous yeah well i think the it was a talk show. It the, was a talk show. The animated parts were supposed to be a little humorous. Like, they were supposed to be the brevity of it. And yeah. then kind of like the hosts and the way they present it was supposed to be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in this talk show sketch format. So they interview someone who identifies gender fluid. And they, they set, set it up as bisexuality. The way With, that... No, the disappearance of the bisexual black man. No, the invisible, the way that the black, the invisible bisexuality and blackness or something like, I I forget what it was, something like that. But basically, yeah, like how bisexuality is rendered invisible in blackness. Like it just. But specifically black men. Yes. You do mention. Yeah. Specifically black men. Yes. So what did you feel about it? That was the only part to me 
that felt kind of like blaxplanation. Yeah. What did you think? I I think so too. That was the only, the was that was the only part of the episode that was serious or where they were directly talking to the audience. Like, let's look at this topic because this needs to be talked about, and we don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm I'm asking you specifically about the presentation of it. How did you feel? It felt about kind it? of like a PSA. Yes. Right. I agree. Like these individuals exist, and we need to see them more on screen and that's why we're giving them this space to talk about their sexuality and talk about how it feels and their experiences yeah whereas like every other sketch in the episode felt like it was grappling with something like it was grappling with the way the existentialism with blackness or like the anxiety you have when you are threatened by police with the threatening of policing and these various different metaphors or like similes or allegories for the fear of being a black person in america this one was a little ham-fisted where like we're telling you like it was kind of moralizing and like we're telling you right away and it's not to say that it isn't important to do that but to me the show was presenting all these different ideas like these grand ideas and like kind of this like it was showing it without necessarily telling you what it was whereas this one was just straight up like we're gonna interview a bisexual dude and we're gonna tell you his story kind of thing which i guess isn't a bad thing and it's important but at the same time it 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 didn't really match with the rest of the show Mm. i think it's an interesting choice to do that yeah but I respect them for doing that because where else are you going to see or you're going to hear about a bisexual black man's story? They're giving a space to people that don't really get shown in media. See, but I feel like putting it in like that... I, okay, I think that by doing that, one, they're trying to throw the audience off and say, like, fuck you, this is our show. We can do it. We can set it up however we want. But it also messes with the expectation that they're already set up as like we're we're talking about things explicitly sort of but we're also not talking about them directly like we're not addressing the audience directly and saying like hey you should stop doing this we're gonna do it i mean it's still art at the end of the day and i think the best art explains itself through the art and there are other pieces of art that just tell you straight up. And I think them doing that falls in that line where they're just telling you, hey, you should accept Mm -hmm. bisexual people. That was the weakest part of the episode for me. I think this bleeds over to that segment that they had where they have like a, they kind of have like a fourth wall break Mm -hmm. where it's Terrence Nance looking, editing, the sketches on his computer and he's having this conversation with one of his producers on his like through text or through messaging. like messaging right where they're explicitly stating that this show is about affirming black bodies yes and blackness yes so i think you're right yeah it does fall in line with that but it doesn't mean that it's still not a little bit of black explanation and black explanation 
I mean, it's a term that's existed, but we recently came to it because of still processing. And they talk about, like, specific new presentations or new representations of blackness do, like, they explain their blackness a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. they talk about how this is what we go through. And it's kind of like a one-on-one class instead of, like, making it part of the story. The way that, like, Moonlight does where they never say, like, hey, I'm black and I'm gay. Instead, it's just part of the text and it's it's a natural part of it. I mean, that's, that's not to say that this show had to do it because it's still a sketch comedy and there's a little bit of explanation that's needed for sketch comedy. But I think that was the weakest part for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they were doing it for clout. Like, I don't think it was that kind of thing. Like, I don't think they were they were trying to get, like, social currency. I think they're doing it because they think it's important. But that didn't fall in line with the rest of the episode mm-hmm. for me. What, what did you feel about the way that police brutality was depicted in this? How did you feel about it? I thought it was done really well. Yeah. Because a lot of the times, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. that police brutality is shown as, like, like, a very, I don't know, very, like, it's overshown. Yes. We're, we're, we're seeing this so much. We're seeing this image so much. And it happened in Cloak and Dagger, where his brother, you know, get, gets shot by a police officer. Like, mm-hmm. this... That would been, just seem like it was just thrown in there for yeah. fucking effect. Like, it's, it's been shown to us so many times. We, we get it. Whereas here, it's kind of treated in a... I don't want to say, like, lighthearted, <laughs> because it's still a very serious issue, but it's, I guess it's more like the surrealist element, like, it's treated like, this is what we have to go through, isn't this ridiculous, isn't this, isn't it almost comical how this is still a problem? Yeah, and we see that with one of the first sketches is, like, 473 out of a thousand worries that a black person has to deal with is this a very highly specific story about him going to the movies and really enjoying the movie and he goes back to his car which is a jalopy and he gets into the car and it's the wrong person's car which is i think probably the funniest part of this episode to me because it was so highly specific and i'm a sucker for narration and mm-hmm. he just was narrating like her confusion and like fear and then his his fucking confusion and fear and he was just like he even tells the audience very specifically this is not funny this is something that we actually deal with but i think in the way that it's presented it's it's you're right it's this absurdity that they still deal with this on like a day-to-day and i think one of the most powerful uses in this and it's been something that has been used by black media or people in, in, in media who make like pieces of art like Spike Lee which is I guess might be an issue relating it to something like this but they use things that have happened in culture like they've used news clips or like police brutality clips specifically like Eric Garner who's, who's choked out and then other just straight up random acts of violence it's played for a little bit for comedic effect like it's look how absurd this is there's like this i forgot what kind of music it was it's kind of like a like a happy-go-lucky up-tempo kind of song and at the same time we're seeing like these images of people being 
getting the shit kicked out of them by police brutality mm-hmm. or by policing or police. And I think yeah, it's it's those two things intercut or juxtapose really give you like this sense of dread or like you you have you have no choice but to laugh at how crazy this shit is mm-hmm. that they still deal with this on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. It's not like a sadistic laugher laughter laugher. It's not sadistic laughter. It's more like you're laughing at the absurdity of things where like you start to laugh at things when you're so frustrated or like things just get too much. Yeah. It's a natural response. Yeah. Like, it's not comedy in like ha 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 let's laugh at their misery. It's comedy as like look at how ironic or look at how absurd this shit is. Yeah. You brought up the affirmation of blackness. Did you want to talk about that more? Where did you see that? I think I already mentioned it. No? What? The conversation with the producer of the show. Oh, okay. Yes. I already... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think it is an important theme of the episode. And and we see it throughout the episode, even when there, there are cuts, like there are random cuts of showing blackface, like the sound clip, like blackface, and then black children, black women, black men, and they're like very serious. And that felt like it was like affirming kind of like their beauty and their humanity instead of like a, let's look at white people and how they're so racist. Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think blackness in America has been defined as the antithesis to whiteness. It's like these these two dichotomies this is this dichotomy of like white and black Mm -hmm. and blackness is defined by what white isn't but i think this one is like a very earnest depiction of blackness and it's we're showing these black faces as like this is what a black face is and this isn't what a black face is which is like the minstrel show and all that and that that's a very overt political statement i think and there's a little bit of levity in it because it's like of course this isn't blackness a minstrel show or someone putting on shoe polish on their face or like a depiction of blackface is not a blackface. Mm-hmm. This is what an actual blackface is. And I think that that to me it was like a very artful way of depicting what blackness is and it's it's just straight up showing like these are real people and like they have very like kind and warm faces and it's it was just like all over. The big sketches in the, the episode was about whiteness and... It was white super, thoughts. Yes, white thoughts, but also just about whiteness in general. Yeah. Cause, so it, it opens up with whiteness being like a disease. Yeah, it's like an infomercial. Yes, it's like this infomercial about how whiteness is a disease and it eradicates ethnicities. And it's specifically like Scandinavian, Italian... Irish. Irish, like those sorts of ethnicities that used to exist, but come here in the U.S., whiteness has completely changed that and kind of scrubbed it. And I think that's interesting because a lot of people don't like to think about how the casualties of whiteness is also white people's culture. Like white culture in the U.S. is a monolith, mm-hmm. but there used to be ethnicities before that like cultures and traditions but it's gotten rid of it completely yeah and i think that their affirmation of that or their acknowledgement of that 
is one is obviously they, they did their homework and two they're talking about it as a disease to set up the premise of the sketch which is like you might be a white liberal who has these seemingly harmless thoughts of like when you watch a, a newscast and you're like well all lives do matter and like those are seemingly harmless thoughts but they're very loaded and have racial implications so that's not to say that you're necessarily a member of the Ku Klux Klan but that is a descendant or it's like in it's lineage. in line it it like reinforces like racist beliefs yes but I, I remember I don't know if I remember this right but they brought up different shades or different like parts of like racism where they're like whether you're someone who you know puts on the the hood or you're someone who does something else were they were they conflating the two were they saying like all racism is bad there are like no varying degrees yeah so the show talks about how whether it's having a hood or suspecting that your housekeeper is stealing from you or that you think that this kind of stuff doesn't apply to you because you're some intellectual that reads Noam Chomsky. It's all, it all comes from the same place. We we watched the clip right now. I don't think necessarily that it's saying that there are no varying degrees, but it all comes from this sickness that they have identified, which is what alopecia. What do no. they call it? Alopecia is an actual disease. <laughs> what do they call it? Al al albinism? No, that's also an well, actual disease. Okay, all right. So it was just like a disease that they identified, like and a whiteness disease. Yes, like a whiteness disease, and they the, the whole point of the infomercial is that they created <laughs> alopecia. alopecia. They created this remedy to stop it. Which the the irony or the absurdest part is that. The cure is like the super black, like solution that you put you rub into your temples. Black grease. Yes, it's like this black grease, but that is supposed to be like a nod to blackface. Yes, like the black polish smeared out on your face. So it's funny that the solution to whiteness is kind of like rubbing in blackness into your temples. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. I think they also in in the sketch. Well, I think I think it's more ironic that it's like, you the way to solve yourself from blackness is to go back to your original version of like extreme racism, which is blackface. Maybe I was reading too much into it. No, I don't think so. I think they're. I mean, it's supposed to be explicitly ironic. saying like, you used to use this to be super racist, but now you're using this to solve your racism. What were you saying? I think rewatching the clip right now also reminded me of, because there's like. The, the break in the infomercial where, where John Hamm talks to the director. Yes. And I think... Super powerful. <laughs> I think that that comes up with the idea of, like, white allyship mm-hmm. and allies. I don't no, know where I'm I, getting I at here. Right. I don't know what, but... It, like, I see where you're going. Yes. I think that, yes, a lot of white allies try their best to, like, do any and everything they can and try to be available f- for whatever... I think a good example is also Dear White People where Sam's boyfriend was like super tired of black people or like people of color always talking about 
white people and he just had to like being a, a white ally he just had to be like alright that's cool mm-hmm. but I think the whole irony like there's just so many layers to this clip mm-hmm. is that John Hamm positioning himself as like a white ally and then having pause in the middle of it and being like wait is this actually like a good thing and the director has to be like look we didn't choose you because of your relationship to, to whiteness we chose you because they trust you. So, and John Hamm's like, oh, okay. Like, he's just like, he's just like, all right, I'll do it. But I think what's hilarious is that the director's straight up telling him, like, we're using you because people trust you in the same way that, like, black actors have been chosen because mm-hmm. they're, like, markers of the community. Like, they'll put in, like, Will Smith or Octavia Spencer or Viola Davis just to get that draw. And, I mean, those were opportunities that were great and they were needed and they didn't exist. But at the same time, like, you can't help but think about that they were kind of, it's like tokenism. He's like a white token. And I think that was the irony and, like, Mm -hmm. the hilarity of that scene. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting. Yeah, the, the sketch is really nuanced. Um, but I also thought that it was interesting that the director said, like, or they're framing this as a, like, a disease, Mm -hmm. and that the people that are afflicted are victims of this disease. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Like, that's an interesting take. I don't even know how else to say it besides interesting. It's interesting because, generally, blackness was treated as a disease. It was treated as something to be remedied. But now... Whiteness is treated as that. Whiteness is treated as something that has destroyed culture, taken other cultures and destroyed culture. And now, I mean, in some ways I think that this existing is coming from a place of, like, of power. Like, it's supposed to be, like, we are no longer what's wrong. You guys are what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're the reason why things are bad. It's not necessarily like white devil because it's not because it's, it's presenting it as kind of a curable disease. It's not saying like you're too far gone where you can't come back from whiteness. Like you can still come back and you can be like a better person. You just got to rub blackface on yourself. <laughs> See, I, I was I was worried. <laughs> not I wouldn't say worried, but I was like, oh, shit, are they really going to put John Hammond blackface? Yeah, I thought so, too. I was that would have like... been crazy. I think that would have been a little, a step too far. <clears throat> yeah, like, they would have just, like, in exploring that, they would have just gone too far. Yeah, which I'm good. I'm sure there exists a version where they did, though. You never know. I don't know. I feel like John Hamm would just be like, you know, like, I don't think it's a <laughs> He would actually, he would be the one to pop. <laughs> I was listening, see, I was listening to Topher Grace talk about his experience being the David Grammy. Duke in The Black Landsman. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how, like, he had to pause because he was like, I don't think I can do this. But that's like a... I mean, see, look, we're not saying that white allies don't exist. And we're not saying that all white people are racist. But when you're depicting these kinds of things, especially if you're a white ally, I feel like you have... There is a little bit of, like, I have to prove to you that I'm not okay with this and I'm not this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like putting that directly with this sketch, putting that directly into the text, like it's both metatextual and textual, saying like, hey, 
I, me, John Hamm, in this sketch, has paused doing this. Yeah. Just makes it that much more hilarious. Because they need to be validated. Like, yes. Come on, guys. Like, I'm not actually racist. You, yeah. you know that, right? Like. But I don't know. There's just, there's just so many. I think you could study that and, like, get yeah. so much out of it. I think it's also really interesting that there are, like, white white allies that are playing racist, like, racist characters mm-hmm. and where they do have to say pause and, like, no, I'm not actually like this because it's, like, flipping the script, really. On, it reminds me of, like, Master of None. Was it Master of None? Yeah, where they, like, they had the... Aziz Ansari has, like, a role, an audition where he has to do the Indian accent mm-hmm. and he's just like well I'm not gonna do this or even when Steven Yoon is like I'm not gonna play this racist this racist character uh-huh. um cause it like validates like the stereotypes I don't know I think it's like kind of like a role reversal yes yes I agree and I think that goes back to what we were talking about where like they refuse to be tokens yeah and it's funny like that's another layer is that now John Hamm is refusing to be the white token in this sketch where like Aziz Ansari didn't want to be the token or like put what did they call it? they call it Uncle Raj yeah that he doesn't want to be the Uncle Raj and like do the Indian accent and I think the same thing with John Hamm he's like look essentially he's saying like look I'm already a white ally I just want you guys to know that like I'm still like I'm still cool and like he has pause about being the white token which mm-hmm. is great because so many there's already i mean tokenism probably comes from like black people in media so now the role reversal is even more hilarious Mm -hmm. but that's about it any other things you want to cover death we didn't talk about death yeah how did you feel about that sketch the ripa the reaper sketch set it up for the audience the sketch opens up in a like a kid's show it's almost like a reading rainbow I don't know what, but like creepier. Mr. Rogers, but a creepy version of it. Like it was filmed in like a hot studio. Yeah. Like it was filmed. It was like Eric Andre outtakes. Yeah, it's grainy. It was like sometime in the eighties or the nineties, and we're introduced to the host, who is Ripa the Reaper. Yes. And she's a grim reaper, and she talks about death and how everybody dies, and the because it's framed as a kids show. She's talking about, like, little black kids dying. Yeah. Well, she's... I mean, she's talking about how everybody dies, but it's particularly bad when you're black. Yeah. But, like, don't... Like, don't be afraid, because you have Ripa the Reaper here to hold your hand through the death process. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about the sketch? Did you like it? I don't know if I necessarily liked it. I I honestly feel like it went over my head a little bit. Yeah. But I think you brought up a good point where you said that it deals with black existentialism. Existential dread. Black existentialism. Where, like, there... I mean, he already identified two things that worry black people. Police brutality, which is him, the director, very, very obviously saying, like, I'm scared for my life. And then the other one where he gets into the wrong car. And now this is just, like existential dread maybe that's what they were going for existential dread being instilled in you as a child oh i forgot there was that lady who got shot at when she was pregnant so since before birth you already have this like 
and they also talk about like being emotionally mature where like the stress that you go through as a black person makes you feel like you're 50 years old at such a young age or stress like ages you yes and on a molecular level so even though you're 30 on the inside you're actually like much older because of all of the stress you've put that has been put on you yeah so that's what they're going for i think they're trying to say that like what should have been presented to children in like a in like a children's show should have been like mr rogers or like the wiggles or something saying like you should be scared of death as a young child and it's kind of like pseudo comedic but not really but it's not even like scared of death it's like normalizing death or it's showing us how how death is normalized in the black community hmm. like Maybe. an awareness of death yeah like a like conscious a, there's like a, a there's a constant consciousness. yeah there's a constant remi- a constant reminder that death is inevitable and for black bodies, it's sooner rather than later, <laughs> many times. Yeah. What did you think about the Neo thing? Where, like, so the, the director gets the actual, is Terrence Nance, he gets chased by the cops because he was filming. And he gets to, like, this area where he's kind of, he has nowhere else to go. And the cop catches up to him. And then he just flies. Mm-hmm. He flies away. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. What um, do you think about that? It reminded me of Atlanta and the invisible car. Mm-hmm. Like magical realism. <laughs> yeah, magical absurdism. realism. Yeah. Where, you know, you do, when you're in a situation like that where you're probably going to die, like, you want something magical to get you out of it. Yeah. And you hold it. It's like a reimagining. It. Yeah. It's like, this would have happened if they could have. Like, if magic was real this is how he would have survived. Like, this ended in a happy ending because he was able to fly away. And I think it perfectly bookends the episode because it presents you with... I mean, it's almost like a hero's journey. Like, it presents you with him coming into the world and then going through this journey and then coming out different at the end. And how... I mean, it's it's obviously not... It shouldn't be treated as, like some lighthearted thing because these are very real things that happen in the world but he flies away and he survives and he becomes a survivor and he also is kind of like at the end of like the very last scene he's like welcome to random acts of flyness like keep tuning in like Mm -hmm. we'll have more for you in this wonderful world that we've created Mm -hmm. which is like a reimagining of blackness in the u.s yeah yeah and i think that's actually that's actually a perfect way of summarizing the show and the episode and overall like this is a magical world we've created where people can talk about their sexuality and not be ashamed where we can talk about the existence of like the constant threat of death Uh and police brutality but we can also talk about the beauty of being black and how we're just regular people and we can talk about racism and we can fly oh one of the things i wanted to mention is I thought the music was great, except for the last one. But I think it was it was supposed to be, like, off kilter. He was super off key. The one the guy who performs in the woods, mm-hmm. he was super off key, and there was no rhythm to it in the traditional sense, where it's like a chord progression or like a regular song structure. It was like these weird beats. And he's just kind of like oddly singing into it. But I think that's also a part of like their statement or like 
their mission, which is like, we're not traditional. We're presenting something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that was also a good way to end the episode. Mm-hmm. They already got renewed for the second season. Oh. Um, so we can look forward to that. But let's get into the predictions. I guess, we, wait, we can also talk about sketch comedy on HBO or the, maybe that's not sketch comedy, but these shows that are on HBO. Like, HBO is giving, like, black creators a platform mm-hmm. in a way that I, like, I don't know. I think we need to talk about that. With Insecure, with Two Dope Queens, and with, uh, what is it, Problem problem Areas? Oh, yeah. Right? And this show, too. Yeah. No, like, I, I think HBO is leading the way, definitely. But, see, I think that that's interesting, because I don't, necess- I don't know if they're doing it because they truly care. Are they doing it because it's popular? Yeah, like, are they just trying to be on the right side of history, or or are they just doing it because it sells? Like, we're in the wake of a Black Panther billion-dollar movie. It's sad to say that they're letting people with these certain, like, these particular voices tell these stories because it's popular instead of because it's art. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a lot of that. Like, one, I do think that People of color show up for people of color art and media. Not always, obviously. But there is a lot of money in doing that, and I think they're just cashing in a little bit. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think HBO has done a pretty good job at, like... They're one of the most artful studios. Mm. They I think they're giving really them... Stuff. Yes, I think that they are, like, cashing in on, like, the black is in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they're also giving them a lot of, like, artistic... And creative freedom. Yes, 100%. So, like, it's a good thing? I think so. I mean, they, they, if we look at the way they started, their sketch comedy started with, like, Mr. Show and, like, the Larry Sanders Show. I mean, Caribbean enthusiasm and sketch, but it's, like, every episode is its own thing. And then they kind of tried to lead the way with, like, women empowerment, with, like, Sex in the City, and then, like, narrative-driven top talent shows, which is, like, The Sopranos. And then they were, like, letting top talent directors get involved. And now they're really pushing for, like, cultural clout or, like, Mm -hmm. cultural relevance, Mm -hmm. which I think is great. We'll see how far it goes. But every single one of those shows that you mentioned, I've seen, and they're really good. They do a good job at presenting their representation of blackness in their very specific way. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's great. And they're, very, and they're very different shows, too. Yeah, 100%. There's, they're, Every single one of them. They're very, yeah, they're very, very different. Yeah. I wouldn't say that any of them... The only thing that really overlaps is that they're, like, black creators. Yeah. No, we live in a time where it's it's insane. Like, there's just so many good black representations right now. Atlanta, Insecure, this show, Whites. Whites and X problem... Problem areas. areas. Dear White People, I think, is good. Mm-hmm. Some people don't. Some people don't. Mm. I mean, there's also some bad ones, though. Yeah. Like, Blackish is still good, though. Yeah, Blackish has been good. Blackish but Blackish is... falls in line. I think Blackish is interesting because it falls in line with the sitcom lineage. Yeah, but I think it's. it's but it improves. It's very it improved. improves on the form. It's updated. Yeah. Definitely. All right, so let's get into the predictions. Okay. Yeah, sorry. No, it's cool. I'm sidetracking. No, no, no. I think it's good. It's a sketch show. 
So I think it can go on for a while. As a but pilot. HBO. Oh, as a pilot? That's a good that's a good pilot. It's a good um like overview of what the show the messages the show is trying to get across. Yeah. Right? It was entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it's your opinion. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but do you agree with me though? Ah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. A, I thought it was a solid pilot. It shows things in very nuanced ways, like we've talked, like we've discussed in this show. I mean, in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, what's your score? If you've never <laughs> listened to this show, our ratings are one through five, and we do broken t- TVs. So, from one to five, how many broken TVs is this show? I'm gonna say four. Okay, that's a solid. That's a solid episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a solid pilot. All right. I really like the first episode. I th- I love weird shit. Like, I'm a huge... I grew up on the Adult Swim thing. Like, I watched it when I was a kid. And I think this show is part of that. But it, it radically changes it, I think. And I think they're very, like, overtly political. In ways that I think are important. Maybe I didn't fully agree with it. Like, not to say that I don't like bisexual people, but... I just, I was hoping for, like, less explanation and more, like, let the piece speak for itself. But I really liked a lot of it. I thought it had a really good structure. I thought that it really presented you with, like, what the show was going to be about and the expectations for the entire season. And I'm excited to watch the rest of it. And I thought it was really fun, really funny, sharp, culturally relevant. So I'm going to go with, I think, like a 4.3, 4.2. Mm-hmm. It was really good. 4.2 broken televisions. Yeah. It was I a pretty high score for me, even though I don't necessarily like this. Yeah, that's why. That's also why I wanted to bring you on, because you, you're not into sketch shit. Yeah. But you, I know, like, we talk a lot about, like, race and cultural politics, you and I in general. So I thought I'd be interested to see if you would dig it. Yeah. Because I feel like you usually, like things you don't like like types of things you don't like if they're, if they're well. dealing no <laughs> not that if they're dealing with racial or like political issues because you've watched i forgot what like weird comedy and you're like no nah, i watch it because it's like it's latina but it doesn't matter yeah so anyway thanks for listening this was episode 24 well no we predictions for how long this is gonna go on for it already got renewed yeah, but how many seasons? I think it'll get canceled after the second season. You do? Honestly, yeah. Yeah? I can, yeah. I, I can see it going for three seasons. I would like it to go for four. But I guess nobody really talked about it, and the season's over already. Yeah, I feel like it's just being held up by like the five people who watched it. <laughs> I just feel like this is one of those shows that is really heady, and those kind of shows very rarely tend to last. Portlandia, I thought, was not going to last because it's super niche. Mm-hmm. I think there are some elements of Portlandia in this too. Yeah, I Whether was gonna, not, I was actually going to mention Portlandia because it's another sketch. Yeah, sure. but Portlandia is way weird. Um, but I think there are some elements, and I'm surprised Portlandia lasted so long. But that was probably because IFC. That was like pretty much their only show at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll probably last two seasons for sure, but it might go a third. But I don't see it lasting very long. Because these shows never really last long. And HBO has is really, really, really tough with letting shows last. Like, they don't let anything last. Unless it's doing numbers or, like, people really pull for it. But does it cancel shows after two seasons? 
It's canceled show after one. For Which last. One? Brink. Like, in just recently? Mm-hmm. Brink, Togetherness was canceled. The Mark, the Duplass Brothers. And they're pretty big right now. Oh. That one show by Alan Ball got canceled. The one with Tim Robbins. It was really bad. But they, I mean, it just depends on, like, how many people watch it and the cultural relevancy. Mm. Sometimes, if they win Emmys and shit like that, they'll keep it going. But, yeah, they cancel shit all the fucking time. Mm. I can see it going for three seasons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say three. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Anything below that, go to hell. That's it. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye.